everybody, and welcome back to another Pink Bike Podcast. I'm Mike Levy, and today I'm at Pink Bike HQ with Matt Beer because we're both sitting across from a world champion, a World Cup winner, hardline winner, Squamish local, Jackson Goldstone. We're going to talk about all that stuff today and a whole bunch more, but before we get to that, Jackson, this is the first time I've met you, but I feel like I've watched you grow up a little bit. Starting with that run bike video from 2010, it has something like 10 billion views on PickBike. It's actually our most watched video ever. How old were you in that video? Yeah, so that was a pretty legendary video. Um, I think I was about six in that. It was just like, yeah, just after kindergarten. So Yeah. How old were you when you realized you could make a career out of this. Like, I don't think you were six years old thinking about that, but I think a lot of people saw that video and were like, oh. Yeah. Yeah, well, definitely, you know, just always had passion <clears throat> in the sport and then, yeah, just loved it, loved it, loved it, still love it to this day and then just kind of worked my way through the ranks of, you know, getting more sponsors and becoming better and better. And, yeah. yeah, it was, it was like, like a natural thing. Yeah, it wasn't it just like... just kind of happened. Didn't it? Yeah. It wasn't like a set, okay, let's do this. Yeah, so. yeah. I feel like, I mean... That also, I could say that about a lot of your riding too. Like we're going to get to that, but it looks like you just have fun and it's natural when you're on the bike, you know, like you're not, you're not really like trying really hard. That's what it looks like to me. So (laughs) yeah, definitely, you know, having fun on the bike and, you know, just doing what you want to do is definitely the best way to, to ride the things. Yeah. One of the most interesting videos I've seen of you is you are, I don't know how old you are. You're very small. You're on a Canfield. And you're Canfield. at the mega ramp. Oh, yep. How old are you in that video? That that video, I think it was nine or ten. Um, yeah, that was it. That was an interesting setup. Yeah. Can yeah. you tell us a bit about that? You took your rear brake off your bike. Did I see that correctly in the video? No, I think I had my rear brake. Oh, okay. Mean, yeah, it was pretty pretty foggy. I'm pretty sure I had the rear brake on yeah. there. Um, but yeah, basically that that mega ramp. I don't think it's actually there anymore. But it was just kind of a big massive jump and. Yeah, wanted to go hit it because I was always going to Woodward that was right next to it. And then you'd always see that jump and be like, okay, yeah, I want to hit that. And then, yeah. Was that your biggest jump that you hit at the time? At the time, yeah, for sure. How big was it? I think it was 55 feet, something around there. And you were how old again? 10-ish. Jesus. (laughs) Matt, how old were you when you hit your first 50-something foot jump? 19? I don't know. Probably the first trip to Whistler, maybe. Yeah, exactly. I was never years old. I've never (laughs) hit a jump that big. Um, Was that a... Were you... You were sponsored by Canfield for a certain period of time? Yeah, like, they wanted to build a kid's bike, and then, you know, it turned out it was pretty good, and you can actually put a proper, like, fork that actually worked on it. Yeah. Instead of, like, a 20-inch fork that wasn't working. So I had a Fox fork on it, which was really nice. And, um... Yeah, I rode that for a bit, and then I'm not sure exactly what happened to that. That um, you know, they kind of discontinued yeah. the, the whole idea, but yeah, rode it for a bit for sure. Kids' bikes are absolutely crazy these days. Yeah. What was it like going from like a a bike that was probably not as good to getting on something like that? I know that was a long time ago now, yeah. but it must have been like, holy crap, I can do way more on this thing. Oh, for sure. Yeah, you know, like just everything was so much softer and cushioned more, and then you could just go faster. So it was big, uh, big help. Yeah, yeah. And then after that, you had a Trek sponsorship. When did that happen? Um, so from Kenfield, I actually went to Norco for a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then rode the Norcos for, I tested their new site, when the extra small site or whatever. I had that f- before it was out. Yeah. And then, That's the site I think we all know and love, isn't yeah, it? I yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, and then I went to Trek after that. And then, yeah, yeah. Trek custom designed me a, a downhill bike three four four or five years ago now so oh that was a custom aluminum frame yeah. size wise i imagine yeah so i was still too short to fit the carbon one and so they custom made an extra small i guess where they just chopped the front end and made it a bit shorter and then it actually yeah. kept the rear end as well but um the other thing was that thing was a big step forward as well because yeah. going from you know single crown to double crown was like what the heck yeah. i remember I remember I was with Andrew Shandro in uh, Queenstown, like kind of the first time riding the bike, like first couple of days. And I was like, had the suspension pumped up to like what I would on the trail bike. Yeah. Like super, super stiff. And then he hopped on and it was like too stiff for him, he was saying. But I didn't know because I didn't never ridden a downhill bike before. Yeah. 
So, um, yeah, I remember like letting out a whole bunch of pressure out of the suspension, then like hitting like the first braking bumps, and I was like, <laughs> "What the heck is this?" This is how they do yeah, it. That's <laughs> how it happens. So yeah, that's exactly. a that's a memory, a very core memory. Yeah. That. Do you still have that bike? Yep, still hanging up in my uh, in my garage. Yeah, I picture you being like forty years old, and that thing is still hanging up in your garage. <laughs> I feel like that's an important step in your career. I would imagine. Yeah, know, like the Shrek sponsorship. How did that? How did that happen for for the young kids out there that want to do that sort of thing? How did your Trek sponsorship come about? Like, did you send him a resume or? Yeah, so my dad helped out a lot with that stuff. Um, he, you know, still helps with sponsors to this day. And um, yeah, we just kind of, it was during Crankworks and we went up to their, their booth and then I was kind of stood off to the side. I don't really remember what he said, but uh, yeah, my yeah. dad just got talking and then. Your dad's just like, selling you to Andrew. Yeah, exactly. He's really good, I swear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so my dad definitely helped with all that stuff. Yeah. You've grown up in the Sea to Sky area, I think. Yeah, Squamish my whole life. Yeah, Squamish your whole life. For people that have never been here, it's a pretty freaking wild place. Like, I've been all over the world. You've been all over the world. Matt, you've ridden all over the world, too. The Sea to Sky area is a wild place. Crazy terrain, super steep. It could be super rowdy, but also... The people here are really good. Like, just everyone is insanely good. Yeah. How much of a factor has that been for you, like, growing up on this terrain, riding with your friends that are probably very good? Yeah. Yeah, it definitely helps to be, you know, riding hard stuff the whole time and riding with fast people the whole time. Um, it's kind of the best training if you're trying to – if you're with someone that's faster than you and you're trying to catch up because you're just pushing yourself and you can watch what they're doing and stuff like that. So. Um, yeah, Squamish is perfect for that. There's tons of riders, tons of good trails, and uh, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. What's your favorite trail here? There's a lot of them. Maybe, maybe don't tell us what it is if it's not. <laughs> <laughs> if it's unsanctioned. <laughs> I, well, I built a trail called Double Trouble um, just up uh, above the university there. Yeah. And that's probably one of my favorite trails. It's like a jump loamer. Just got jumps all the way through it and then yeah. super sick loam sections, but... That's a good name, Double Trouble. That Lots of jumps. It's got some history behind it too. So the name. Yeah. Um, this was we built it before I got my driver's license, yeah. and so to get up there, we were on my little eighty-five motorbike, me and this, me and my buddy. Yeah. And then so what we were doing is that me and my buddy would sit on it, and then we would tow another friend. Yeah. With on his, riding his like d d uh, trail bike or whatever. And so this was like right during COVID when it was really bad and like we weren't allowed to hang out with anyone. Yeah. And then we were, <laughs> we passed. Um, <laughs> Just as long my, as the rope my, is long, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, we, so there was one person on the front. I was riding it. And then one person on the back of the moto. And then we were towing. So it was three people in total. And um, yeah, we passed my buddy's dad. Yeah. And so we got in trouble for doubling. And so it's double trouble. <laughs> yeah. So we got in trouble for being together. It was because of COVID and stuff like that. And we were all trying to be safe. But yeah, 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 yeah. You might not remember this, Jackson, but I was out on my bicycle ride wearing a speed suit and <laughs> I found myself in Coho Park. Yep. And I'm coming through there and I see these youngsters down at the jumps <laughs> and they are just sending this shit <laughs> and i remember coming through there thinking like like oh man i'm just like a dork you know and there's these cool kids that we talked a bit a little bit and i remember just being you being like incredibly nice incredibly friendly and i don't know i was just i was i wasn't surprised i didn't know who you were to be honest back then to yeah. me you were, you were just some kids but i was always surprised at how like you don't have any attitude whatsoever. You're just like out there being super nice, having fun, it looks like. Yeah. It's the best way to do it, you know. Right? Just, just have fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, from what I've seen, it looks like your family has also been a big factor in your life and in your success as well, especially your father. Um, you've been immersed in bikes since you were tiny. Um, what is... What has that been like? Like, you obviously have been lots of bikes with your family and your dad has helped you a lot. Yeah, so family was huge coming up and they've been so much help for me um i kind of got my parents and sister back into riding like yeah. they my parents used to ride when they were younger and then since i f loved it so much they didn't want to watch me so they got into riding too and so every now and again we all ride together it's pretty amazing but yeah through sponsors through you know sending me on trips and stuff just yeah. experiencing you know kind of being that living that pro life when when you're super long, young 
um, they helped with all that stuff. So it was, yeah, awesome. Yeah. I imagine your dad came with you when you were first going to your races in Europe and stuff. Uh, I imagine your dad or your family came with you and helped you with all that too, right? Yeah. Yeah. So my dad, you know, he, he was with me pretty much at every trip. And then uh, last year for the World Cup season, my, me and my mom kind of did the whole thing yeah. uh, together. But then this year they're not as not needed as much since I'm on the factory team. So yeah, we'll get there. They we'll were get... still they were, they were still uh, there in Europe watching, but yeah, didn't really have to help as much. Before you were racing World Cups, what were the races you were doing in Europe? I forget the names of them. There was a series you were doing. Yeah, so it was the IXS yeah. uh, race series. Yeah, um, and then they had the special one in Cefalus which is in Austria. That's the name I couldn't remember. <laughs> yeah. So that was the that was the rookies world championships place, yeah. and that place was awesome. I did a couple of videos there, and you know they they sweep the trails every morning like it's really dialed. Yeah, and uh, yeah, so they had the the world championships there, and um, that's where pretty much a whole bunch of kids come and yeah. yeah, unofficial, but it was still pretty cool. Unofficial, but it probably feels pretty dang official at the moment. Eh? <laughs> yeah, it was pretty yeah. cool, and they live stream the whole thing like it's like oh, wow. a proper proper event. Yeah, it's so- really cool. I imagine you had been doing some local races here, BC Cup type things, yep. that sort of stuff before you went over there. But that sounds like a big change. You were how old and what was that like? Yeah, I mean, I was probably in my, I think it was 13, 14, 15. 13. I was watching cartoons and like stealing change from my mom to buy candy when I was 13. <laughs> you were racing Europe. Uh, yeah, well, so Crankworks, had a, I did a couple Crankworks as well. Yeah. Um, I didn't actually... I remember being in Leger. I don't think I raced Leger. That was super rainy year. Yeah. Um, and then I've, yeah, just been over there and doing that kind of stuff a lot. So, yeah. Is it? Thanks, Dad. <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> I, get, I get so nervous. Like, I don't race that much. But when I do, I get, like, I overthink all the things. I get super nervous. I don't, Matt, these days you've raced a lot. How nervous do you get? There was definitely a point where the results mattered and that's when there was more pressure and that's when I got more nervous. Yeah. But these days I don't race so much and yeah, I just can relax a little bit. Yeah. Choose when to go fast. It's hard to deal with the nerves though. Yeah. Yeah. So 13, 14, 15 year old Jackson, were you nervous or looking back, was that just fun for you? Yeah. I mean, I, I guess it was just fun. You know, I have so much fun riding as fast as I can on my bike. That's kind of why I do it. So, yeah, nerves were pretty low. Like, you obviously get butterflies before yeah. before your racer and stuff like that. But usually as soon as I drop in, they go away. Yeah. And how did those races go? Yeah, so those races went pretty good. Really well, actually. Um, I ended up winning two years in a row, I'm pretty yeah. sure. And then I, it was like, there was like the overall, like, kind of the cup race and then the championship race as well so it was like a saturday sunday race there was two races and so on the I, same track yeah like same yeah. same track same everything but just two races and then i ended up winning both of the sunday ones the two years i did it and then i got second at one of the sunday or the saturday ones and then i won the other saturday one yeah. so it was like three wins and then one second technically is that when you knew you could do this or was it was there a time before that or even then were you like oh you know this is just fun i'm gonna go home and be a plumber or something no <laughs> offense to plumbers or yeah, anything yeah. but when did you when did you think you could do this for real yeah i mean it'd, it'd be hard to kind of put a point on exactly when i decided and like thought it could do that for real but that definitely gave me a lot more confidence to you know push even faster and then yeah train a bit yeah because then yeah i kind of started getting in the gym when i was 16 ish so yeah, that was my that was my next question. When you were over there, did you have a coach at all, or was it you still just flying by the seat of your parents, having fun? Yeah, flying by the seat of my parents, just kind of cruising along, doing what I doing what I love. Really, yeah. didn't really have any coach, didn't have any. Yeah, it was just me and my dad, really. Yeah. Before we sat down for this, I, I obviously googled your name and looked up a bunch of stuff, you know, yeah. <laughs> doing my homework, and so much stuff came up. And I mean, Matt, you and I, we have. Lots, lots of videos of us riding online, but Jackson's progression, his evolution from 2010 on a bike with no pedals to now winning hardline. Like this is all documented online mm-hmm. for the world to see. How cool or weird maybe is that? Yeah, I mean, it's cool. I've been doing video projects, you know, forever. I've got so many out there and it's definitely, you know, 
really cool to me um, because I feel like that inspires, you know, other kids to come up and try and do the same because, you know, you see Squamish now, there's so many, so many young rippers. Everybody is. Even on run bikes. So good. Yeah. Everyone's so good. So, yeah. I mean, I like to say I kind of helped that trend a little bit with that that run bike video, but. Hell yeah, um, you did. Yeah. It was cool. Yeah. Yeah. Can we, I want to ask you about riding with Stevie Smith too. I found a video of you riding with Stevie Smith. How was that? That looks amazing. And especially now, I mean. Yeah. Yeah. I have I have a couple memories from that. I mean, it was it was a while ago. Um, obviously, it was insane. I was so blown away that I even got the opportunity to do that. But um, I remember we were we were filming a whole bunch of stuff, you know, chatting along. He's obviously super super. He's a super nice guy. And yeah. um, I remember we went up to Garbo at Whistler, and then like they were going to meet us back down at Fitz, so we technically got to do a lap together. And they just wanted to be on GoPros. Yeah. And I remember like he went ahead of me and he did like like just like just went fast for like a little little section of trail yeah and it was like literally half a second and he was gone out of my view like literally i was like what did he just do to go that fast it was incredible so that's yeah definitely a main memory and then i remember you know riding crab apple hits with him and it was yeah amazing pretty special very special yeah never will forget yeah that speed that guys like guys like Stevie had and World Cup racers have, it's it seems otherworldly. You know, like Matt, you and I, we we go to press camps and we ride with some of these people for, like Jackson said, like twenty feet second, down yeah. the trail yeah. before they disappear, and it it doesn't seem possible to go that fast. So when you were that age and you see that, is that was that like? inspiring to you i imagine it was or was it like holy shit like it seems otherworldly yeah i mean i was yeah i I had no clue what to think i was like what i I was speechless (laughs) yeah so um yeah yeah definitely it was pretty cool to see yeah i remember i asked stevie one time if he ever slows down like we were we were we were on a trail and there was a giant jump that wasn't supposed to be a jump and he was going to do it and I was like dog like you have a world cup season coming up like do you ever think about you know this kind of stuff maybe you know you don't want to take this chance or whatever yeah. and he was like no I have to always go this fast yeah. I have to always do the things to be able to do the things when the season starts Yeah does that sound yeah, Is that, I like, mean, you have to have that mindset too. You gotta, you gotta, yeah, you got to train fast to, to race fast, I guess. So, you know, my whole my whole off season, any any day I'm riding my downhill bike, I'm going as fast as I can. Yeah, just flat out focus with intention. Yeah, commitment. Yeah, yeah. big commitment. Yeah. yeah, that's just kind of the way I the way I roll. I mean, I like love doing it, and it's worked out pretty good for me. You know, I haven't had any massive crashes. So. And sometimes if you're not committed, and you can ride at that speed. And you're not riding at that speed. You're just trying to chill or follow somebody slower. That can kind of throw you off sometimes. So you almost have to rise to that occasion. Yeah, you know? yeah. Like you're staying at that is level. Used to going yeah. Mach ten, not mm-hmm. slower. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Do you have a coach now? I assume. No, like so. I don't have a riding coach specifically. Yeah. I've got coaches in the gym, and then for for that kind of stuff. Um, you know, tr- planning my day-to-day stuff. Yeah. But um, nothing to help me, like, with on-bike skill. Um, but, yeah, just, just in the gym stuff. Yeah. What about trackside at a race? Do you have, like, line spotters? Yeah. Or, so yeah. I guess kind of coach there. Yeah, so I got okay. uh, Steve Pete. Okay. Oh, just yeah, just pretty, that guy. Right. I've got this guy <laughs> named yeah, Steve Pete. He, he helps me out. He's pretty cool, you know. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, what so is, he, he line spots and does that stuff, but he's also team manager, so I guess... Right, like, so the whole that, team. That kind of okay. Way. Yeah, yeah, okay. What is that, What does a typical week of training look like for you? Like, a, maybe yeah. you're coming into the season, you're training hard in the gym, that kind of thing. Like, just roughly, what does that look like? Yeah, so usually five days in the gym for me. Um, kind of depends on when, depends on what kind of block I'm in, but... Yeah. Um, yeah, it's usually five days in a row and then two off days. So it's kind of like a work week, I guess. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, either trail bikes every day or trail bikes every day and then maybe squeak in a, a downhill day as well or yeah. two. But I ride a lot more enduro than, than some people would think. Oh, really? Um, yeah. yeah. I guess I mean, that is, 
it's an easier thing to do. You can get on the bike and you could pedal it up the hill and, and do your workout on the way up. And yeah, you know, if there's, you know, if there's intervals or stuff like that, that I don't want to do sitting on the, on the trainer inside, I just go for a trail ride and then I get kind of, I try to do those interv- intervals on the way up and then I get to ride down as well. So that's kind of my, my idea. And, um, last year, like at the start of this year, I guess, um, I had two buddies in Squamish who were, who were training for the AWS. Yeah. And so I basically just rode with them every day and then was training for EWS. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, squeaking in a, a downhill day every now and again. But I was just kind of, yeah, full EWS training mode, but it worked out for downhill. How does that feel when you're riding your enduro bike and then you jump back on your downhill bike? Do you feel like that gives you an advantage? Like you're, you're riding more tech stuff on a smaller bike and then you get on a big bike. Do you feel more invincible or how does that How's that transition go? Yeah, the transition's pretty smooth for me. Um, I feel like I can find limits on pretty much any bike. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I mean, the downhill bike's obviously faster. Um, but, you know, loving my trail bikes these days, they're a big step up from f- felt like what I was riding last year. So um, yeah, it just feels pretty smooth to me. But Does it give you more confidence when you get on the bigger bike? Or is it just Maybe, two different setups, two different yeah, mindsets? It's pretty, I mean, it still is different in their own way. But, I mean, I think if you're going fast on one bike, you'll be able to go fast on the other. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Do you find that there are enduro bike lines and downhill bike lines? Like, if you're riding the same trail, I imagine there are some different lines you're taking, depending on what bike you're on, eh? Yeah, there's a couple, for sure. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, for, like, Birdwire or whatever, that's kind of the main trail training one there's definitely corners that you can hit faster on the trail bike and then sections you can hit faster on the downhill bike so it's cool to see that you know they kind of yeah they're both fast i guess have you done some ews racing i've done uh, a double header ews so it was like technically two races but in one weekend um in Latwil last last year um really fun loved it and i definitely chose a good one because there was a lot of uh, lift access there wasn't too much pedaling which was good yeah yeah um yeah, super fun day. It seems like such a different thing. Like, Matt, you've done enduro races and downhill races. And, like, a downhill race, whenever I've done a downhill race, it's just like a focused thing. It's like, I have three minutes to prove my self worth, mm-hmm. otherwise, I'm a piece of shit. Like, I better not <laughs> crash or catch a pedal or, or whatever. And yeah. obviously, 30 seconds out of the gate, like, I haven't taken a breath, you know, and I'm like, hyperventilating. Mm-hmm. We're down, or sorry, EWS seems like it could be, well, it can be, it is, stretched out over a longer period of time which maybe sounds like it might be more relaxing, more enjoyable for you. Yeah. I mean, I'd like to give it another shot at some point. Um, like, I want to win anyway. It's not, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's not relaxing. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think it'd be really fun to give it another shot. Um, I feel like I have some pretty good long-term strength, like, like for long, yeah. long tracks and stuff like that. So I don't know. I think it'd be really fun. Um, and I remember last year, uh, the one I did was, yeah, I loved it. Um, had a couple, you know, moments where it was like almost missed my start times and yeah. that definitely gets, you know, interesting and that's all part of it. But, um, yeah, really, really cool event. Definitely want to do one. Yeah. Okay. You mentioned Steve Pete there. I want to go back to that before we move on. He just casually dropped Steve Pete in. <laughs> uh, what does Steve do for you? Like, obviously you said, you mentioned he does line spotting for you and stuff like that, but yeah. the guy has been around forever. He is, has so much knowledge. I would imagine. How else has he helped you? Yeah, so he is the team manager on Santa Cruz Syndicate, and he, you know, he helps behind the scenes with stuff, just planning what to do this, what to do that, and um, yeah, I think he's, his job's kind of split between three people, so mm-hmm. it's kind of hard to tell exactly which one does what it, yeah. sometimes, but um, yeah, like at races, he's, you know, line spotting and then also does stuff with UCI too. Yeah, that's crazy to me, like, oh, Steve Pete's on my team, he helps me out when he can. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk downhill racing for a few minutes, and then I have a whole bunch of hardline questions because it looked freaking ridiculous. You're in the start hut for a downhill race. Uh, how nervous are you? And how, for people that don't know, like how how much are you attacking this run? Are you like over 100%, like taking huge chances, that kind of thing? Or are you, there are sections you take more chances in than others? How does that go? Yeah, so start start gate. I'm very nervous. You know, everything's leading up, and yeah. for the juniors in the last three guys, I think that's two and a half minute gaps between okay. the guys. So they let pretty much you're done the done the race, and then 
then the next guy drops. So, you know, it gets, there's a lot of time where you're just waiting, sitting there alone, like just listening to the clock. And yeah, um, yeah, it definitely gets really nervous and doing my whole warm up routine. You know, I'm, I'm focused, I'm, I'm dialed in to like know what I want to do and stuff like that. But what is your warm up routine before you keep going? It's pretty loose, actually. Very loose uh, warm-up routine. Um, yeah, I just kind of get on the trainer, do a couple sprint stuff, um, you know, stretch out a couple things, and then... Do you visualize the run or anything? Like, I see racers sometimes with their again, eyes yeah. closed. Yeah. Depending on the track, like, if it's a pretty mellow track, I don't always do it, but um, I think it's a good idea. Sometimes I just forget. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, um, just try to think about you know how what you're going to do for the your race run and not about what other people are doing not be worrying about what other people are doing so yeah yeah just focus on yourself do you when you're the fastest qualifier and you're up there and you're the last you're the last guy to go down mm-hmm. like are you ever like shit i wish i wasn't the fastest qualifier like to me that A seems super scary happens, yeah. yeah so last year 2021 pretty much every every race that i won i qualified second so I was like, went from qualifying second to winning the race. Yeah. Like every single one. And then when I qualified first, I got second in the race. Whoa. I th- there might be something to that. I don't, I don't know if there is or not, but um, I actually broke the curse this year though. Nice. Um, <laughs> in Lourdes, I'm pretty sure. Okay. I think it was, I think it was Lourdes first race. I think I went, I went first, first. So yeah, good, good, good. But um, yeah, it's pretty funny. So sometimes, you know, second qualifying second does work out for me, so. Yeah. And then Fort William, I qualified first and then got second in the race. So, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Tough. There's a lot of pressure. Yeah. You're in that little start hut or at the start line and there's no one left and you just got to lay it down and you know that the person that went before you is trying to beat you. Yeah. And yeah. you have to do better than you want to do better than your qualifying result. At dude, least, right? for sure. And, and there's a live feed, like people watching you at home, dude. Like, yeah, no, it's, it's pretty cool. And, um, when I was, I remember when I was in Fort William, like from the start gate, I qual- so I qualified first there. Yeah. And um, from the start gate, you can see a lot of the track. And so Jordan, he's my main competitor. Um, he went ahead of me, obviously. And like, I could watch his whole run, like pretty much or, like the whole top section of his run. Did you want to watch I, it? I like, I had a couple glances, but I was like trying to not look and I was trying to like, you know, stay focused. But then... Like I thought I saw him make a mistake and I was like, oh, yeah. like it's on now. And then, yeah, I kind of, yeah, obviously he didn't make a mistake, but I just thought because he was so far away that he looked like he was going slower than he was. But yeah, um, yeah, that's kind of the one memory that I have that it was like, this is on, like this is, he's going really fast, this race, like I've got to give absolutely everything. Yeah. And I did. And then, yeah, um, just had one mistake at the bottom on the motorway and then lost a lot of time and lost the race by like 0.03 so no so frustrating that one that one hurt i mean it was it was cool to see him him win at his home crowd you know everyone loved it but um yeah you still want to win yeah still want to win and um yeah i was i was 1.2 up at the split before and then just lost all that time in the motorway so it was right there and it's crazy how close you guys are these days yeah like yeah it's Splitting hairs. For sure. And, you know, he's been, he was training at that track, you know, for a lot of time. Like he's, he yeah. obviously lives in the UK, so we can go there whenever. But, um, yeah, I remember, so we went to the BDS, the British Downhill Series race before that, um, in Fort William, like two weeks before. And he absolutely smoked me there. Yeah. And then like he put nine seconds into me. And then once the World Cup came around, I caught up a lot of time, which is interesting to me because... I, for some reason, like my World Cup pace is a lot faster than my national race. I've noticed that through like races here and stuff like that, that, um, you know, I could put a lot of time into some people over there mm-hmm. in Europe and stuff like that. But then when I race here, it's like I try and do the same exact thing, but then it's, you know, maybe they're faster. I don't know. It's almost like you, well, it's not almost, you do rise to the occasion. It sounds like to me. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. What is your favorite track? <sighs> Oh, it's a, it's a tough one. Mont Saint Anne, yeah, I think is one of my favorites. Lords is also one of my favorites from from this year. Um, but yeah, Mont Saint Anne was was incredible. You know, conditions were good, and there was a couple new sections, and yeah, it was just 
exactly. It's a big, long, scary track. Yeah, but I mean, like I said, I feel like I'm I've got you know strength to handle those long tracks, and I got to the bottom and I didn't even have arm arm pump, so it was there. Uh, I have a question for Matt. Hey, Matt, <laughs> all those times you raced Mont Saint Anne, did you ever get to the bottom and not have arm pump? Yeah, I don't I don't suffer from arm pump, but okay. I can definitely definitely relate to at least being fatigued on that oh, track. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Fort William, I had arm pump a little bit. Yeah, I would imagine. But, but once, like once, like first couple like practice runs, and then it kind of went away once you get warmed up, I guess. But you you look so efficient when you ride Jackson, just like physically, you're like kind of standing in that upright. We, I talk about this a lot with friends and and riding and how they, you know are trying to get stronger at riding and, and yeah. that physical aspect. And you just look very poised and relaxed and just letting the bike work and using the big muscles on your body when you need to. And I think that probably goes a long way for you. Yeah, definitely does. And I kind of, you know, felt like I changed my riding style up quite a bit when I, you know, go, coming into my first World Cup season. Um, I did a couple races before that and was like, you know, not off the back, but like mm-hmm. not at a World Cup pace. And um, and then, you know, I went back to Squamish, did a lot of training and then just kind of felt a rhythm of keeping the body super still and, you know, letting the bike do the work. And um, yeah, kind of changed up my riding style a bit. And then, yeah, it's worked out. It looks well. quiet and controlled. That's how I would describe it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. Very smooth. Yeah. And- so I, yeah, I definitely changed to that. Like I, that's what I wanted to do, and I'm happy that it worked out. Yeah. What track do you find the the scariest? I don't really get scared on tracks. That, that was my next question. Yeah. Is like I I was going to ask also. I mean, maybe that's not a mindset you can have doing this. Sport. Hard line. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Now, if if we're talking World Cup, then then uh, yeah, the tracks. You know, it's not. I, like you can make it down. Pretty much, a lot of people could probably ride it. It's the and speed. It's it's just the speed that you gotta you know hit that at is that's kind of the difference, um, but you know Fort Williams a scary track kind of just because it's you know long and doesn't really let up, but it's not like some of the features actually scare me like it's just you know when you're going that fast it's like something can go wrong very quick. Yeah, are you attacking these tracks like maximum attack top to bottom or is there an element <clears throat> of pacing yourself? on some tracks and some sections. Yeah. I mean, pacing yourself, it, it, if, if that works for you, then, then that's what you got to do. Like if you don't have, if you don't have the strength, if you don't have the strength to make it down, then I guess you got to pace yourself. But for me, you know, I, I got to get every second out of the track that I can. So it's, yeah. it's full send the whole way down. Yeah. Well, speaking of full send, should we talk about some hard line? That's really what I wanted to talk about here. That's why you're here. Okay. <laughs> How how nervous were you? First of all, I assumed you wanted to go to Hardline. Yeah. Yeah, definitely really wanted to go to Hardline and got the invite uh, when I was in, what was it? Kind of around Fort William time and you know, was was so stoked. How nervous were you before you went to that? I'm sure you looked at previous Hardlines and you know you're going to hit some huge jumps. Before you mm-hmm. go there, are you like, oh shit, I'm nervous about this, I'm nervous about that? Or is it like World Cup racing? You're not nervous, you just do it. Yeah, so um, I definitely was nervous, but I got a whole bunch of photos and stuff like that from our bus driver. So the team bus driver's name is Gaz, and he actually built probably pretty much the whole track. Inside information he's yeah. got here. So he he was showing me photos of like yeah. you know all this. He was showing everybody too, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, he was telling me all about it. So it kind of he definitely helped you know kind of help me in and you know let kind of tell me about the whole track and stuff like that. But um, I was nervous for sure. You yeah. Know, it's when you, when you see a 90 foot jump like that, you know, it's 90 feet. Yeah. Holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> it looks big on the photos and then you see it in person. You're like, Oh my God. And then when you go and you go and ride it as well, it's, it's yeah. Whole nother feeling. Can it's, you, can you tell me how you hit something like that first? Yeah. So there's a big difference between like a 60 foot jump and a 90 foot jump just in obviously size obviously <laughs> but like even like oh, yeah like the feeling in the air is completely different you got to do like completely different style you got to do you got to you know it's yeah way different since your your wheels are moving way faster your bike literally just wants to stay straight 
Okay. And um, also the wind. If you do a whip, it comes back very early. So you gotta like you gotta do a whip, and then like if if you want to do a whip, I guess you gotta do a whip. (laughs) (laughs) You gotta do a whip, and then you gotta actually like leave it out there for way longer than you think, because it comes back like super fast. Um, And it's also really easy to you know if you get one thing wrong, you've got so much more airtime to you know go nose dive or go back heavy or anything for things to go wrong. Yeah, exactly. For an opportunity to fix it, maybe. Yeah. I guess so. Maybe. It, I mean, it's hard to hard to fix things when you're in the air, especially going that fast. Yeah. Um, Do you follow somebody in? I didn't um, for my first time. Um, I just kind of went, I don't know. I saw the other guys. I wasn't first one to do it. I think I was like fourth or fifth guy to hit the yeah. big jumps. Um, but I saw them do it and it, you know, it's pretty straightforward. Just pedal hard and then pull up and yeah, just kind of went for it. Just stay straight. Yeah. <laughs> Pedal, pull up, stay straight. <laughs> yeah. Wild, dude. Did did Dan Atherton test all of these features or did he kind of map he, it out and then leave it up to the riders to figure out some of the Yeah, so he approaches. mapped out a whole bunch of stuff and he tested – so before the two big jumps, there was like an on-off jump. Mm-hmm. And so he like he tested that and then had a crash and then he did, like he couldn't test the rest of the stuff. And so we were going into, you know, first practice day and still those jumps were, hadn't been hit before. So it was, it was a bit interesting, you know, like everyone was talking about it, like, oh, it's going to hit it first. And like, does it even work? And we're all talking about like, you know, if it needs to be changed or like what happens if it's windy, because it was kind of in a big open wind sock area. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, I know there was definitely a lot of talk of like, is it even going to go in the main event? And, um, yeah, one of the days, the day that Bernard crashed mm-hmm. um, up there, that was kind of like once he hit the first one and then the second one had a really big kick on it. And so that's kind of what also, you know, made things go wrong for him mm-hmm. was that he got launched really high and came down hard. And so they took off a whole bunch of the, like a whole bunch of the kick of the lip yeah. the, the next day. And then that day, you know, worked, worked great. But um, yeah, it was definitely scary to do it first. Are those the biggest jumps you've ever hit? No. <laughs> okay not, story time <laughs> not actually not actually the biggest jump so I've, I've ridden I hit loose fest um, oh yeah those jumps back in 2020 um, was that in uh, Belgium like, Belgium yeah Belgium yeah Hu- there's out of the berm like huge step yeah down it's like a big berm. like shark fin step down thing and then yeah just a massive I think those ones are like 105 footers <laughs> I can't Very big. even but it's imagine. So, no, it's amazing. It's the best feeling ever being in the air for that long. And like everything, you just you just hear wind noise and you don't even hear your rear wheel. Like, like yeah, it's oh, it's such a good feeling. So just floating. You know, the average person, the average mountain biker, they hit like a 20, they hit a 30 footer. You know, you're in the air for like, it feels quick, but it's still a big jump, you know, but it feels like it's, it's over fast, mm-hmm. especially when you crash. Um, <laughs> but something that big... You're in the air. Like, you have time to, like, one Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi. Oh, there's the landing. Yeah. Here it comes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it's so much fun. So much fun. How do you, how do you race a track like that, Jackson? Like, I was looking at the on-off jump, too. And that looked super tricky. That looked hard. That one was, it, it wasn't hard once you figured it out. But it was very easy to have things go wrong. Like if you went too fast and just pulled up a little bit too hard, yeah. you could like land basically on the lip and then just bounce right over or whatever. And that's sadly what George Brannigan did. He, you know, went a little bit too fast and then got launched off the front and hurt himself. But um, once you figured it out, like it took a couple tries. Yeah. But I found out like you could almost like scrub on and land super early and then pop off nice. But it, that's the way I would have done it too. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, it took a couple of tries, but yeah, yeah, uh, yeah it, it was a really fun feature in the end too. Like, worked out pretty good. Worked Did you keep good. it upright all weekend? Yeah, actually, no. I had one crash, um, a one annoying crash in the rock garden before the road gap. Yeah, down below, I just hit the wrong line, and then all of a sudden end up in the in the bushes. In and, the it, river, yeah. and the and the bushes there are like gnarly because it's there's it's still rock. Yeah. But then with bushes, like that kind of rock with bushes covered over. So I like 
put my arm out and then like I thought it was going to be bushes but it was just all rock and uh, scrape my arm up and stuff like that but I mean if you're going to crash on the hard line course though that's probably definitely not the, place the worst to do it. place yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 okay so how do you race something like that are you I imagine between the jumps you are attacking this just like it's a downhill race yeah yeah but I mean when you come up to these jumps like still attacking <laughs> so you have to have a different focus how yeah, does that it's it change it's cool to see how the kind of event actually evolves you know it starts out kind of almost as a free ride event yeah you know we're all testing features we're all hitting like the jumps first format, yeah you're not really worried about the tech stuff and then once you tick off all the jumps it's like that's when you go for you know linking stuff together start doing full runs and then and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, I got to go fast in the tech stuff as well. That's where actually you could win the race, I think. Yeah. And um, yeah, so it, it's it's cool to see how the event evol- evolves and um, yeah. It's lots pretty, of progression then through the progression. yeah through the week. Cool. Is that how you won the race? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, you won by many seconds against yeah. some badass riders. Yeah, I mean, on the I, hardest track in the world, dude. <laughs> yeah. So I got. I was the first one to do a full run. Um, yeah. I Everyone was, you know, having lunch, and I was like, I'm going to go for another one real quick. And yeah. then ended up doing a full run, and that was, you know, kind of set the set the mindset for me, like, okay, I, this is, yeah, it, it's on now. Like, I can do the full run. I feel like I can go really fast. And, um, yeah. So that was kind of, yeah, that was kind of it. Was that more... Uh, technically challenging to figure out than a world cup race or physically did you feel like it was more to endure or like that switch between the big jumps and the speed and then the technical aspects of the track how was that different than a world cup yeah obviously very different to world cup where world cups you kind of focus on lines um the tracks a lot wider and up you know, at Hardline, there was pretty much the one line at the start where you could go low on the rock face or, or the other way, and then one line through the rock gardens and down low. And otherwise, it was pretty much just hit the stuff as fast as you can on the one line. Mm-hmm. Um, so where that's where World Cups are very different is that you could, you know, everyone's on a different line in a World Cup. And um, yeah, it's just very different. So you're quicker in the corners, is what you're saying. <laughs> That's <laughs> I, do have good, I do have good corner speed, I feel, because um, in my hardline run, um, I hit like the corners kind of after the 90 footers. I've oh, that was the best feeling ever. I was almost. <laughs> I watched better... that video just this morning before you <laughs> yeah. got here. It, it was, looked so good. Dude. It was almost a better feeling than hitting the jumps, though, because I was just like so in the zone and linked everything perfect, and you know, I had a really, really good run. So so much exit speed at some of those corners, like you yeah. literally like popped aired out of some of those corners that other people were staying on the ground yeah and that's kind of where you find the time in those races like you can't really find time on the jumps you i mean you can if you somehow scrub it really good like the one kind of metal jump that one you could gain a lot of time if you landed perfect and like shot out towards the draw like if you cased it you lose a lot of speed and stuff like that but um yeah, the, the other stuff, the tech stuff is where it, you kind of make up time. And um, I actually had a kind of a scary moment as well um, in my race run. Like in the, the section is called Dirty Ferns. Um, it's after the, the, the metal ramp drop and then it's in that kind of tech section before the, the on-off. Um, there was a massive boulder like right in the middle of the rut that I was in. Yeah. And like I like rode over this rock and then like nosied into the corner and then like rode the literal top of the corner and like oh. fully got stood up and then like somehow brought it around and had no exit speed and like it was super sketchy it's really hard to see on the video you can kind of see on my gopro mm-hmm. um i thought it'd look worse than it felt in the gopro but it actually like didn't look too bad in the gopro <laughs> sadly yeah but it was really scary like i thought i was just gonna go straight over the berm and then you know got a couple pedal strokes in and got back up to speed but yeah. that was uh that was almost a big one it's interesting to hear you talk about cornering in my mind especially in racing corners or everything if if you can be a tenth of a second fast i mean not that i mean that's a big gap but if you're a tenth of a second faster in every corner 10 corners is a second yeah and i mean how many corners in a world cup race like yeah. hundreds yeah you gotta find i mean you gotta be fast everywhere right so 
corners is definitely somewhere where you can make up a lot of time. And yeah. I find, you know, being small, you can kind of rip around corners easier. You got than, that lower than, center of gravity. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did you change your bike setup at all for Hardline? I didn't change too much on like compression rebound. Like did it did like two clicks less mm. of rebound, and then just went a lot stiffer um, in suspension. Like went up to a five hundred spring instead of a four seventy five, mm. and then yeah, it chucked like fifteen psi in the fork too. Um, but pretty much, yeah, I kept everything the same. Mm-hmm. Would you would you like to see a series like that, or would it be? Is it not feasible to? to expect racers to have a series of hardline events. It seems rowdy. Is it too rowdy for a series? I mean, it'd be a cool idea for sure. Um, you know, now Red Bull doesn't have the World Cup. They've moved to, dis- like, the World Cup's now Discovery and all that stuff. So I think Red Bull has, you know, the opportunity to do it. I'm yeah. not sure what's happening. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think it'd be cool. Definitely, I love racing that event. So if there was more, I wouldn't say no to it. Yeah. So Jackson, obviously Hardline has a lot of consequences, these massive jumps, very technical sections, and so fast, so fast. I remember seeing the riders coming into some of these corners after the features, massive features, and they're just blocking both brakes, trying to slow down, smash these corners, like every corner is like, you know, the last one, (laughs) they have to make it. Now Valdezol was also... A very technical track but it didn't have those huge jumps although it did see quite a few entrants not make it into finals i think ben cathro threw out a number like 16 percent of them didn't make it to finals we saw a lot of riders crash at hardline obviously with these big jumps how are those two tracks different and what kind of challenges do they pose and maybe why are there so many riders not making it into finals yeah so so the two tracks are obviously very different. Vatasol is so rough. It, yeah, it was crazy. This year was really bad too. Like I've never ridden a track that was any rougher. Um, but it doesn't really have any sections where you can let up. And it's you got to be so precise at Vatasol. Um, you know, if you're just you know a millimeter on, on the wrong side of a rock, it's, yeah, it could be game over really easily. And then I guess you know, that can catch a lot of people out. And then the jumps at Hardline catch a lot of people out. You know, some some, some of the Freeriders guys, you know, have a lot of experience with that and then they do really well. And then some of the racers, you know, don't have as much experience with it and then, you know, sometimes crash out. So, um, yeah, I guess it's just kind of the precision at Vatasol is what catches people out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you know, caught me out a couple times. I had, I had a couple crashes there as well, like literally just being one inch on the wrong side of the rock and then all of a sudden your ends in front of you <laughs> and uh yeah and then Vatasol or at uh, Hardline sorry it, it's um yeah I'd, I'd say for like the actual tech stuff it's not actually that hard it's just the fact that you got to hit that tech stuff and then be prepared to hit a massive jump and then go back into the tech stuff and then all <laughs> massive jump it's kind of this flip-flop mindset of you know being ready for both is what makes it really hard. Yeah, yeah. How was the road gap? It looked huge too, just like all the other times you were in the air. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> huge, yes. Um, but actually worked really well. Like they've had, that one's been in for a long time. Yeah. And so they've had time to, you know, perfect it and make all the, you know, sizes perfect. And you pretty much come out of that that rock garden and, and you could, yeah, basically no pedal, no brakes, and then just literally do nothing off the lip, just float off my specialty yeah it's perfect (laughs) um yeah so i mean all the jumps worked really really well um the wind was a little bit of an issue um during a couple days um for the big ones uh just you know just a slight side went on that and it could be game over yeah um but the only jumps that you really had to you know kind of pedal for were the very last one right into the finish and also the two the two 90 footers but the last jump looked it did look like a pull it looked yeah. like people were working for it. Yeah, it was no, the the whole like that section was fine, but it was the corner, the left hand flat corner before like the 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 one out of the trees. That yep. was the the one where you lost all your speed. You're literally on edge the whole time trying to hit this left hand corner, and you couldn't pedal. You could you had to break into it, um, and that kind of you know you lost speed for that whole entire straight, and so yeah. you had to pedal for that. Yeah. 
for that last jump. And in my racer, and actually, I remember like, you know, sprinting to the line, like pedaling into that last jump. So you hit the, the second to last jump, there's that little skipper jump, and then the last jump. Yeah. I like landed the skipper jump, and I guess I started pedaling too early, like I was still compressed in my suspension. Uh-oh. And I like smoked my foot on the ground. Oh. And like lost even more speed for the jump, and so yeah. I had to pull like extra hard and still cased and just made it over. But yeah, that was, uh, that was scary. Going back to the tracks, comparing to Valdezol versus Hardline, and then talking about these jumps and that little mistake you just had, would it make sense to say that the jumps maybe once you have them figured out, do they give you a little bit more time to relax or like a change of focus versus like thousands of roots and rocks mm-hmm. all coming at once versus like setting up for, you know, a big jump. You have a little bit of time to like maybe breathe and then kind of launch. Does that, are there, is there still like a big gap between the thought process going down those tracks? We definitely have time to breathe in the air at Hardline. Um, <laughs> Three seconds or so. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, I find like Hardline actually wasn't physical at all for me. Um, it's only, I was two minutes 20, I think, in my race run. Um, and it's like the sections, if they were, if, if it was like the tech sections, if it was that, if that was a full track, it would be physical. Yeah. But since there's so much time where you're, you're like, you're, sprinting into like or like like tucking into a jump or, or hitting a jump it actually isn't too bad for arm pump like i never you know yeah never had any issues with even fatigue as well like i'd always come to the bottom and just be totally fine so um yeah that's where also valdisol you know can catch you out is that you're you're two minutes into the track and then you're breathing hard and you got a long way to go <laughs> son <laughs> still got a long way to go so yeah. um yeah definitely that's where some mistakes can be Gotcha. Gotcha. And what, what's your perception on the style of racing? Do you think it's a good race format like hardline versus world cup? I mean, I, I really like the race format. I think the, the fans do as well. Um, you know, I, I heard someone say that it got more hardline, got more views than rampage. I don't know if that was true, but we should, yeah, we'll have to look into that. I'm not exactly. Yeah. I think, I think someone said that, but, um, yeah, you know, really, really cool really cool format i love it yeah in your race run i was watching you and it it looked like you were just having fun like you're obviously going fast as hell and doing these giant freaking jumps but it it also looked like you were just like having fun you were getting so sideways out of out of those jumps and like and then i looked something up i was reading about you there was a video shimano did with you it was that home video yeah and in it you said being smooth is so satisfying and i feel like that like that sort of describes your race run like obviously racing is this hectic thing you're smashing into shit but still it looks like you're just smooth when you're doing this stuff it looks like you're just chilling dude <laughs> i mean that's the the funny thing as well is my chilling i guess can is not actually chilling in my eyes like i'm i'm pushing as hard as i can like you know i feel like i'm going as fast as i can and everyone's like, oh, you're not even trying. I'm like, I'm trying. <laughs> a, that is a good sign, Jackson. Yeah. That yeah. is a very yeah. good sign. Yeah. But yeah, I think it's pretty funny that people think that. Yeah. Even though I'm still giving it everything I got. But. You talk about the, the smoothness that you'd like to have in a, in a run. How satisfying is it to, say, have like a smooth run that you really have dialed and maybe you get second or third versus a hectic run where you win? Obviously, winning's amazing. Yeah, I, I would wager that you're going to go with that answer. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's definitely moments like that this year. So, um, Leo Gang, I had a crash up top. It was super slippery. Obviously, it's been muddy every single time we've been there. Um, but yeah, I slipped off one of the roots, landed on my side, like fully had to like get off and get back up, and then. Um, that was before kind of the main wood sections at the bottom. And then, you know, I had to push really, really hard and then made up a lot of time in that lower woods and uh, finished up second. And then there's other times, you know, where I push as hard as I physically physically can, like um, Fort William, and, I, and then I still end up, or, and then like I get second as well. Um, so it, it was interesting to see, you know, the kind of difference in what race, you know, what people do well and stuff like that. and to you know crash and then still get second was Mm -hmm. was pretty pretty interesting on my side and i was really stoked on that and then so like lords 
you know, it was a pretty shorter track. It was very, you know, even for everyone, for all the racers. Mm -hmm. And that's when you see like really close gaps. And then when it was muddy in, in Gang, you know, the, some of the gaps for the riders was, you know, long time. And then also, I think me and Jordan for the last race, um, you know, we were so, so, you know, battling hard <laughs> and stuff like that. And the last race, we, you know, stepped up our game quite a lot. We were, you know, always in the top fives for time practice, qualities, and mm-hmm. and then in the race as well, if I didn't crash. but yeah. <laughs> That's another thing I'd like to talk about. Yeah, there was a lot of progression for me and him this just even in speed through the season. You could see it kind of comparing to elites. Mm-hmm. You know, we started out. Yeah, top I was just going to say ended up pretty up there. Yeah, watching you two battle it out and you kind of had your own competition within the race itself and both of you were, you know, kind of edging on those those top elite times as well dude they had the fastest times of the days yeah yeah this was so andora, cool to watch and, and very impressive jordan and Vassal. i mean andora it was i think a couple of the corners got you know pushed below the tape and stuff like that like there was yeah. one corner i remember watching Lori's race run and um a corner that was perfectly fine for me was like literally completely destroyed for him um so i definitely got lucky with the timing of mm-hmm. that stuff and everyone on pink bike says that but uh, <laughs> um and then there's but then in monson Anne, um you know i had that was probably one of my best race runs i think um mm-hmm. just perfect the whole way down um didn't have any mistakes and uh that race run I, it was the track was pretty much the same like maybe a small hole was bigger but you know there wasn't rain there wasn't anything else that was you know changing the track and ended up third there so that was that one was pretty legit for me yeah and that you know that one was special and then for Vadasol, um you know me and jordan were battling out and then you know i crashed in the last corner he made it down he put like i think it was nine seconds into second place or something like that yeah um <clears throat> and so i crashed and this is actually pretty funny um crashed and then like was getting up and you know like making it to the line, like absolutely kicking myself, not really thinking to like make it to the line and go faster. And I ended up being like 0. 0.4 off the podium or something like that. I ended fourth. What's in your handlebar? Yeah, you had, yeah, one, had, you had one side of a handlebar. You finished fourth, dude. Yeah. <laughs> in Valdezol on that corner. Yeah. The Sam Hill corner. Yeah. So, yeah, that was... I should have got t- should have taken a couple pedal strokes. I think <laughs> lesson learned. Yeah, Remy right. Meyer Smith. He was he was third, and he was like, "Thank you for like going slow." And I'm like, "Oh." <laughs> <laughs> um, let's move on from racing a little bit. When was the last time you did a double backflip, Jackson? Are you still doing these all the time? Ah, it's been a minute since I've done a double flip. Yeah, I think it was yeah probably a year and a bit. Yeah, okay. Double flip. You're Whoa. Definitely over a year. Ridiculous, though. How um, much time do you spend at the dirt jumps? Um, actually, like this this last week, I've been at the dirt jumps quite a bit. Yeah, did like three days, but um, yeah. I mean, it's it's when it's running good and there's a good session run, I usually show up. But um, you know, during season when it's training and stuff like that, I don't always make the time to go out there. I feel um, like that's fair. I I want to. Yeah, I ride I ride a little skate park actually in the winter. Um, if there's like a cold you know, a cold snap where it's dry, dry enough to ride the skate park. They, it's lit up in Squamish. So yeah, I usually do a couple of night sessions there. Yeah. Are you still, when you come home, are you still riding with the same friends that you grew up riding bikes with? Yeah. Um, you know, it's, some friends obviously moved out or yeah. definitely friends changed. Um, but, uh, yeah, still got the same, same kind of couple of buddies who, who yeah. ride together. I bet they're not slow either. No, no, they're not. <laughs> I feel like you've you've already done a ton, but you obviously have many years, decades actually, <laughs> left at doing it at this crazy high level. So let's just think about five years from now. Where do you see yourself? And I assume you have a goal of winning World Cups and overall titles, and that's what you're you're working towards. Or maybe it's a more nebulous goal, like you just want to keep having fun and pushing yourself. Five years from now, where's Jackson and what would you be happy with? Yeah, you know, so I've got obviously goals in kind of all sides of mountain biking, you know, I want to do those free ride events still. Like I want to, you know, maybe even do rampage one day. Um, and then, but I also want to, you know, race world cups as well. So there's a balance. Um, definitely going to focus 
you know, my time on World Cups and kind of, you know, try and follow the same path as, you know, like Finn and some of those other guys who are doing pretty good this these years. Um, but then also, you know, I don't want to let that free ride side of me die um, because I feel like it's pretty crucial for bike skill and yeah, totally. um, just diversity. Um, you know, I think the the fans like it when you do big tricks as well as go fast. So, um, yeah, that's kind of... You know what else the fans like is your signature move, the the head look as you like go around the berm. Oh like, yeah, do the camera check. <laughs> that was so sick. I think the first time I saw you do it was at Mount Saint Anne, and everybody's just hitting this one jump into a berm and you know roosting or whatever. And then Jackson just pulls like a two second look as he's going around the berm at <laughs> fifty kilometers an hour. Yeah, yeah. I, that one that one at Mount Saint Anne was funny because I was going up the gondola. And that section of tracks right underneath the gondola, and the our team filmer he's like, "Do something cool on this jump," and I was like, "Okay," and so like I you know steezed the jump and then just like looked at his camera the whole way around the corner <laughs> so like, wicked. yeah yeah direct icon. eye contact. Yeah. I don't even care what my tires are doing. <laughs> yeah, I'm on autopilot. It was a pretty chill corner. Like if it was a tech section, maybe not, but um, yeah, I think that's cool. Yeah, you have like a signature kind of thing going. Like you know, Sam Hill had like the foot out and yeah. Uh, James Stewart used to do like his little helmet correction in yeah. the air and stuff. And <laughs> yeah, that's pretty neat. Yeah. yeah. All right, Jackson, thanks for coming to hang out with us today. I'm going to let you go. I'm going to work on my double backflips. The next time we do an interview, I'm okay. going to, I'm going to tell you, I got my double backies and sounds good. I, I'll, I'll do that as well. I'll work on them as well. <laughs> okay. And then we'll meet at the dirt jumps. Yeah. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening to another episode of the pink bike podcast. Put those questions down below and we'll see you next week. Bye.